We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Steven Adams is a monster, man. He's a, <laughs> he's a monster like somebody from Game of Thrones or something. Like, we call him uh, Gandalf because, like, he's never early or late. He's always <laughs> at the right time. And my job is to never stop. Regardless of percentages, I don't really give a damn about percentages, honestly. All I care about is wins. If y'all didn't quite get it, let me say it again. I'm here to stay. Hello and welcome to the Uncontested podcast where we cover the NBA, OKC Thunder, and pop culture. You can find our episodes on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and our website, theuncontestedsports.com. I'm the Thunder Mob Jacob, and today I have along with me Taylor. Go Chiefs and Thunder up. What a night. Hey, did Dallas, I know we're recording this like right at the end of the Dallas game. Did Dallas, Dallas lose? Dallas unfortunately lost. Okay. Yes. Okay. That's and, why Nick's not here. That yeah. was one disappointment. Yes. Suicide watch. Yes. We also have Drinking Justin. Sorrows. Sorry. <laughs> hey, guys. Nader warning. Oh, I like it. Nosedive Nader. You can Nose credit me with that Nader. nickname. I like that. Nosedive Nader. <laughs> All right. Well, it is uh, Saturday night, 11 p.m. Thunder have just beat the Spurs. So we're going to do a podcast breakdown of the Thunder vs. Spurs game. We're going to talk a little bit about the Thunder just in general. And then we have some around the association for you guys as well. So we're going to combine a post-game podcast and uh, just a normal group podcast that we do all in one. So I'm going to throw it over to Justin, who's going to take us through this Thunder Spurs game. Justin, go ahead. Let's rock and roll. God, sorry. We got three white guys on the podcast. We're going to make a whole lot of white dad sayings tonight. (laughs) I think that's going to be our goal. Shout out white dads. Uh, So tonight, the Thunder beat the Spurs 122-112, much less stressful than their meeting two nights ago, which went into double overtime. 
Uh, the Spurs made a whole lot less threes, which uh, made me a lot happier. But overall, the Thunder came out slow, and you kind of thought uh, that the Thunder might be in for a, a butt kicking. They were down 31-23 after one. The Spurs actually did hit quite a few threes in that first quarter, specifically Marco Bellinelli. Bellinelli uh, and Bertons. Old Davis. And Bertons. As expected. Right? The two guys. That <laughs> or as the white dad would say, Davis Bertans. <laughs> yes, please. The white Oklahoma dad. <laughs> Bert hands. Uh Bert hands. Uh he hit he hit a few threes on us. Thunder were down nine at halftime, but as they've done so often this season, they continued their third quarter dominance. They outscored the Spurs 35 to 20 in the third quarter, really took hold of the game, and honestly didn't look back after that. And I think where it started in my mind for the Thunder is it starts with defense. We know that this team's not the best offensive team out there. So what covers that up a lot of times is playing solid defense, specifically getting rebounds, getting turnovers, and running in transition, which opens up a lot of easy buckets. Uh, Interesting stat from the Thunder broadcast on that note. The Thunder only had nine fast break points in the first half, and they put up 12 in the third quarter alone. So I really felt like they got back to their identity a little bit in that third quarter, and honestly, it changed the game. Oh, yeah. I thought, so going into halftime, that game was uh, the, the Spurs had four turnovers. By the ten minute mark in the third quarter, the Thunder had already forced two turnovers and got four points off of them. So you could just tell out of halftime the the focus was on defensive rebounding. The focus was on ratcheting up the intensity defensively and then running. And and they did pretty dadgum good at that after the second half. See, I used the word dadgum, so I'm dad staying gum. on the I'm staying on the white dad thing here. You're on Killing fire. <laughs> uh, yep. Another another big catalyst for the Thunder tonight, in addition to defense, is really their bench play. I think the bench is something that we were so optimistic and so high on early in the season, and kind of recently, you know, the bench has been hit or miss. A lot of that's due to guys being out, like Alex Abrinas. Um, injuries, things like that. But overall, just kind of not the production that I think we'd hope to see out of the bench on a consistent basis. But tonight was probably one of the strongest games they've played all season. The bench uh, put in 48 points of 122 for the Thunder. That's insane. There were seven different players scored in double digits, which per the broadcast was only the ninth time in Thunder history that that's ever happened. That's huge. Here's the sorry. I had to mute my mic because I have a little puppy who, after Aww. taking a nap during the Thunder game, decided that it is now playtime at approximately 1051. <laughs> so <laughs> I had to mute my mic. However, oh, there's a squeak toy again. Sorry, guys. This is really <laughs> podcast. He's a, he's a good boy. But he is a good boy, and I love him very dearly. And my wife just saved the day. So everybody, round of applause for Summer. Yay. Uh, <laughs> Anyways, what I think is so huge about that stat right there and the, the bench stepping up tonight, and we can get into more details such as specific players like Nader and Schroeder exploding the second half, but on a night where a guy like Paul George, who has essentially carried this team all season, you know, and the MVP conversation, and even Russ, who didn't really get it going until late in the third, early, or like midway through the fourth, when they're off like that and you have guys on the Spurs who are hitting shots, you need other players to step up. There were so many different role players who did step up, 
in the absence of Paul George, who kind of had an off night, and even Russ, who struggled until late in the game. And, you know, that, that essentially kept us in the game in the first half. We have Nader, who was like, I think, 4-4 four, four in the first half. Um, yep. You might have to double-check me on that. But he was, regardless, he was perfect on the game, so obviously he was yep. perfect first half and you have Patrick Patterson hitting outside shots playing great pick and roll defense Patterson so three of three from the three-point line that was that's three big. pat back if, we, if you came into value. tonight and told me that I could uh, make a bet uh, that he would go three to three from three from the three-point line <laughs> and if I won the bet that he didn't go three from three uh, I would win a hundred dollars and if I lost the bet um, like I lost my soul I think I'd probably <laughs> would have signed up and taken the bet I, yeah, I would have been right there with you. Uh, that was very unexpected and very Good welcome. jokes on them because I don't have a soul. <laughs> <laughs> you know when the last that time does. he went three for three this season is? He went Never. three for three this it's season? Before. It's happened before one other oh, time. Oh, God. When was it? Against the New Orleans Pelicans on November 5th. Yep, sounds oh, about right. Interesting. Sounds about right. Uh, Justin mentioned that seven, eight players... Went for double figures tonight. No, seven, seven. players. Sorry. Um, Ferg would have been number eight if he got two more points. This is true. He, he was had, right there. He had eight points on three or five shooting. We've been raving about Ferg. Like, before the podcast started, we were still raving about Ferg. It was basically a Terrence right Ferguson recently. circle Not jerk going on. Like, an internet circle jerk. I don't really know how that works, but... <laughs> damn it, we tried. <laughs> I, thought, I thought the most impressive stat line tonight... Uh, specifically from the bench group was Dennis Schroeder. I think we've we've kind of been hard on him lately. He's not played great. He's not been as promising as he kind of seemed at the beginning of the season. Been in a little bit of a rough stretch, and he honestly kind of continued that rough stretch even into the first half tonight. But in the second half, specifically that, that third quarter, he really caught fire. Uh, he finished tonight 19 points, uh, eight of 17 shooting, three of four from the line, six assists four steals. He scored all 19 of his points in the second half uh, and recorded five of his six assists in the second half. And he did a lot of that damage in the third quarter when the Thunder went on that big run. Yep, he came my out. My favorite part... Oh, sorry. No, go yo, you go ahead. I, I was just going to say my favorite part about all that is, um, you know, he came into the game and it really started before that technical foul because I think he had, yeah. a, he had a quick shot or a quick layup and kicked it out to Nader for an open shot. And then he went up, he made a shot, then got called for a technical for hitting, <clears throat> quote unquote, hitting Derek White in the face. It was more of a like follow through his. Oh, no, you're, th you're thinking about Russ. Tickled Derek White. That was such. Yeah, was you're bullshit. thinking about Russ but, on the on the Derek White. Technical. Oh, okay. What was the one that Derek did? Or, um, I'm sorry, not Derek. Uh, Schroeder's Schroeder. was just yelling at the ref because he got fouled and knocked to the floor and they didn't blow the whistle. But uh, okay, that's kind of okay, what happened okay. all night gotcha. for the Thunder. So I'm getting the the bad technicals mixed up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, it's easy like when there are so after many. After that happened, I feel like Schroeder just exploded. Yeah. He, he, you could tell he was pissed off and it translated really well. Put um, his, he, put, he put his head down and he got to the rim. Yeah, you and, know? which he's so good at. Yeah, he, like, he, he stopped the... He stopped the kind of come off the pick and roll and do that little mid-range pull-up, and he yep, was just exactly. he was playing downhill. And I think that's kind of the theme of all of those bench players tonight. Schroeder started playing downhill. Nader from the start of the game was playing downhill. I mean, Nader only took one three-pointer. Uh, there were some times where he caught the ball off of a pass out on the wing, and I thought Abdel Nader was open to, to fire up a three, and instead, yeah. he just put the ball on the floor, and hey, it was working. So you know, keep like, going at like, it. 
But there was even some like, plays where Patterson. Oh, sorry, I was going to say like Jacob tweeted out nosedive, nosedive, nosedive nader. Yeah, nosedive nader. We had downhill right, Dion. Now we have nosedive nader. That's a very, that's a very white dad nickname. If oh yeah, honest. it is. I love it. Um, <laughs> even Patterson like gave somebody a shot fake and drove in and like hit a yeah. hit a little runner, you know. So and then Westbrook definitely got playing downhill tonight. So it's it's one of those things where like they kind of got back to their bread and butter, you know. Their yeah. bread and butter was is is playing downhill and uh, and sometimes playing inside out, and you know it, it also helps playing downhill becomes a lot easier when the paint is a little less packed and when you shoot forty eight percent from three as a team, yeah. uh, the the paint gets a little less packed. And they yeah. limited themselves to twenty three attempts, which I thought was key. Yep. And spe- specifically, Russell Westbrook only had two attempts. Schroeder only had one attempt. I thought those guys did a great job of making good shot choices and not just settling for three pointers. Definitely. And you know, if you remove, um, the, the inevitable three that TLC got up in his one minute of, of trash time burn, right. Um, that, that percentage goes up to, to 50% instead of 48. So, yep. Jacob, you talked about their bread and butter and you're exactly right. But, um, part of that, part of their core, their, uh, their bread and butter is that they're all steak and potatoes and start starting with defense. Uh, and we really saw that when they came out, we talked a little bit about this, but when they came out in the third quarter, I even think Jacob, you tweeted about this. You were like, they've got to focus on, on rebounding. Um, and they not only focused on rebounding, but they also focused on their defense, their rotations, their health defense. They got steals, they ran transition and that's what started and sparked this whole entire run and eventually gave them a fairly comfortable lead and a win tonight. Yeah, Definitely. Um, so at halftime, it was a nine to three advantage to the Spurs in offensive rebounds that ended 13 to seven. So the Thunder still got out offensive rebounded in the, in the second half, but instead of nine to three, it was four, uh, four to four. So sorry, it was, it was tied. And then as far as turnovers, Spurs had 14 when they only had four in yeah, in the first half. So the Thunder made the Spurs big. turn the ball over 10 times in the second half. Those 14 turnovers resulted in a total of 21 points. So, yeah, that's that's pretty massive. And when you don't have knockdown shooters, you, you have to rely on stuff like that to get baskets because this team just is not offensively talented enough to come down and beat people in half-court sets. They yep. thrive when they're getting to transition, and this game is kind of the perfect example of that because in the first half, the Thunder didn't get much transition. They were having to play their half-court sets, and there were some ugly, ugly offensive sets as a result. But in the second half when things are moving, you get the beautiful plays like the Schroeder between the leg pass to Russell oh, Westbrook on the yes. fast break, which is just and then the after Russ, getting the steal. He got the yeah, steal on the other end. Right. The yeah, Russ, like, like Rondo-esque, like behind-the-back yes. fake that just froze Patty Mills. That was beautiful um like jacob said that's like a top rest play right there oh yeah for sure so the thunder actually took three less shots than the spurs tonight the spurs shot 96 shots the thunder shot 93 shots Uh, i don't know if it this is a stat you can look up on on nba stats or on basketball reference but i'd be curious to know what the thunder's record is in games this season where they take less shots than their opponents I feel like it would probably be pretty bad because, like you guys said, this team thrives off of turnovers, getting out in transition, playing solid defense, 
and those those turnovers and when the Thunder rebounds well, that results in them shooting a lot more shots. You know, I think that game on New Year's Eve when they beat Dallas, we took like 21 more shots than Dallas did. Yeah. And so uh, tonight taking less shots than the Spurs yet beating them by 10 points, uh, that's kind of surprising. And I, yeah. I w- just wonder what, what that looks like on the season as a whole. Well, another big reason for that, and this is something the Thunder don't often enjoy the advantage of, maybe if ever this season, and that's shooting free throws. Tonight they shot 29 free throws to the Spurs 20. Yep. And they made 25 of them, that's which impressive. has to be the best this season. That's 86%. Yep. And when you look at the Spurs only made 14, so the Thunder made 11 more free throws, and they win by 10. So that's a way that they're able to kind of overcome that shot disparity. Yeah, that's that's kind of the game right there, you know. And you held the Spurs to a realistic 33% from three. So that helps. As far as free throw shooting, though, George was a perfect six of six. Grant, perfect two of two. Russ, perfect five of five. Nader, perfect two of two. Schroeder only missed one, three of four. Steven was six of eight. Six of eight. That's Adams feels very much off or on on the free throws. You know, if, if, He's on, he's going to make 6 of 8, 7 yep. of 10. But if he's off, he's going to shoot like 30% from the line. You know, like he's got his season yep. average, but it feels like that average is is also like a median, you know, uh, in, that, sure. in that he typically doesn't shoot 50% in a game. He either shoots well or bad. Yep. It's kind of, a, kind totally of an interesting fair. like teeter-totter, yep. you know. Volatile. Yep. Let's talk a little more about Abdul Nader. Uh, as I as I started the podcast with Nader warning in the peak tonight, uh, Nader in 17 minutes was a perfect six of six from the floor, one of one from three, and even a perfect two of two from the free throw line. He finished with 15 points, two boards, two steals, and one block. And we've got a handful of Twitter questions from our followers about Abdul Nader. Safe to say Thunder Twitter is is excited about the Naders. Uh, <laughs> let's start with this one. Uh, is Abdul Nader or Dennis Schroeder the best player in the NBA from at David Wiggins 25? Yes and yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> all the one. above. <laughs> no, I think, I think Nader's playing really well. Uh, Schroeder's been struggling. He really turned it on in the second half tonight. Hopefully that gets him going in the future. But I've been I've been really impressed with Nader. He he struggled a little bit defensively, as you would assume, uh, since he's been getting playing time. But his I don't want to say his offense outweighs that. His offense is very helpful, especially his shooting, and you know he holds up decently defensively. It's not like he's like a an absolute liability. There's yeah, games sure. where he where he does nice defensive things. I thought he made a few really nice defensive plays tonight, uh, and and if he can do that, that will that will keep him on the court. Uh, solid Thunder Twitter guy um, on the franchise on the Thunder Dream Team, John Ham on Twitter at John M Ham tweeted after the game tonight in Nader's last ten games, which includes tonight seven and a half points a game. 55% field goals and 50% from the three point line. Wow. I know. So that's, that's a small sample good, I size. I don't know if that's going to be sustainable, 
but yeah. I, he, he can stroke it. Like, he can shoot the ball. And if he's able to hold up a little bit defensively for 10 minutes a game and kind of get help from his teammates and kind of blend in back there, I, I think his ability to shoot the ball as he starts to show up on, on bench units, scouting reports for other teams, and they're going to see this guy can shoot, you need to, uh, you need to close out on him. That's going to, to help Schroeder a lot because it's going to open up that lane a lot more. Yeah, that's a great point. And, and that's what you see with a lot of these guys. It's kind of what we saw with Hamadou to start the year is, you know, nobody knows what he's going to do. They, there's no scouting report on him. And so he's kind of able to take advantage of that. And then once once teams do have an idea of kind of what his tendencies are and they kind of figure it out a little bit, then it becomes much harder for guys like that, especially in their rookie season yeah, uh, or early on in their career to kind of produce at the same level. Definitely. I'm, I'm totally with you on that. So on that, on a similar note, don't worry, we have lots of Nader questions. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this one comes from at in Brody we trust. It says, should Nader take Hamadou's spot in the bench rotation when Abrinas comes back? I think this makes us better, even though I love Hamadou. That's an interesting question. Taylor, I'll let you start off with this one. I That's very interesting. And I actually posed a fairly similar question in our Slack before we started podcasting um, post-game. And I said... Does it even matter if Alex comes back this season? Because, you know, we kind of posed the hypothetical question. <laughs> Will Alex even suit up again this season uh, yeah. under Jersey? Just kind of like what the heck is going on with them type of thing. But, you know, apparently he's back, but he still hasn't been on the bench. He still hasn't suited up. So it's really intriguing to see what's going on with Alex. And hopefully he'll be back soon. Maybe they're trying to get him back into game shape. But regardless... I would see Nader just digging into both of their minutes. You know, I, I think I, I, I could see more rather than him just taking one of their spots completely and entirely and like Alex not seeing the floor or Hami not seeing the floor from here on out. I could see where both of their minutes are, are cut quite a bit and, uh, and Nader takes a little bit from both of their minutes rather than just completely cutting one of them completely out of the rotation. Yeah, I think the only difficult thing about that is if you don't cut both of them and you still want to play Nader, you are then at an 11 man lineup. And I think that that's kind true. Of, that's kind of difficult to, to balance. I, I don't know. It, it depends when Alex comes back and kind of where he's at, what kind of happens there, but Nader 20 years or sorry, not Nader um, Diallo 20 years old, you know, rookie season has been struggling a bit as of late and and not that that's any hindrance to to him as far as like what his career is going to be, you know I, I think it happens to to all rookies, all normal rookies, all non like Luka Doncic, Donovan Mitchell <laughs> rookies, you know, and and so it, it wouldn't surprise me. I I think they like Homie's length and defense more than Abdul Nader's. But that wouldn't surprise me, and that kind of also leads into... I, I think that question's interesting from the Hamadou Diallo perspective because I think the Thunder might try to find somebody on the trade market or the buyout market yeah. that can take both Nader and Hami's minutes going into the playoffs, someone who's a little more battle-tested. That's a good point. That's a really yeah. good point. I didn't even think about uh, the trade deadline. Yeah, for sure. I think you know both of those guys are going to continue to get burned during the season, but come playoff time, they're likely not going to factor into the rotation when things get shorter. They might play a couple minutes here or there, 
but I think I think your hypothesis is dead on, especially given what we've seen from the Thunder in recent history. They love to go after those kind of uh, cheaper vets that they can get to really take a leadership role in those playoff minutes. So I think that that's probably a safe safe bet. Yeah, definitely. Um, we definitely. touched on it a little bit, but another guy that was impressive was Patrick Patterson. Uh, like we mentioned, three of three from three, five of seven overall, four rebounds, two assists, 13 points. I thought also something that doesn't show up on the box score, I thought he played decent um, pick and roll defense in this game, which is something you don't always get from two yeah. Pat. He, he got switched uh, in pick and rolls and back screens. He got switched on to DeMar DeRozan a few times, and I thought he he played it pretty well. You know, I, I yeah, I'm with you. I thought his his defense was not awful. I think the thing with Tupat is just the inconsistency, you know, he, and this is what you heard it from Toronto fans. When he was there, you heard it early on before he really got many minutes for the thunder of just, you know, he's one guy tonight and then he's somebody totally different the next night. And I think when you look at, if you kind of look at like his three point shooting box scores, he's either like three of three or three of four, or he's like, Oh, of three, and there's not there's not many nights where he's just kind of, you know, consistently shooting uh, a decent clip from three point range. He's kind of either on fire or he's ice cold. Yeah. And and so I, while you were talking, I was looking at some of his numbers last 10 games. He is up to 41 percent from the three point line on two and a half attempts a game. So that's a good sign because he was shooting the ball like astronomically yeah. bad the month yeah. of january he shot 29 percent. the month of december he shot 28 percent from three yeah so so it's it's definitely trending upwards which is good um but yeah it's the consistency part that that worries you you know the constant up and down but he got some good looks tonight and it looked like he shot him with confidence and that's that's the important thing you know that's the I, I will tell you though i think Remind me if I'm wrong on this. I know at least two of them were corner threes. Were all three of them yeah. corner threes tonight? I don't know about, about the I, third I one. I feel like that third one was kind of close. It was like in that in that in between area of the corner and like the the uh, the elbow the, the elbow. It was kind of in that in between area, yeah. if I remember correctly. I think they're they're it's trying to get other, him in I the corners more and look for him right. in the corners more rather than. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember, but last season and like in the preseason this year and early on in the season this year, they tried to do a lot of like kind of making Patterson like replicate mellow where he's like the last guy down the court and you hit him as that trailer at the top of the three, just like catch and shoot. And it seems like they're trying to to change that up to where they're finding him in the corners more rather than above the three-point break. That's a great point. It was interesting because it wasn't even the guards or the ball handlers that were looking at him. I even noticed uh, Steve was kicking it out to him some, which is yeah, really Steve, cool to Steve see. Steve had one of the assists to him. Abdel Nader had one of the assists, and then I can't remember. But all three were catch and shoot for sure. Yeah. They weren't like – and you would never expect expect Patterson to take an <laughs> off-the-dribble three anyways. He's not male you know, But, yeah, that is, uh, that is for sure. It's a nice bonus, though. I'm glad to, right. to see him get that going, and hopefully this will just – you know, he he's – been starting to hit more and more over the past couple of games, so I just hope this only continues. And um, you know, at the very least, maybe it increases his trade value. Yep. So uh, trade deadline. for the season, <laughs> he shoots forty three percent from the left corner three, 
uh, only 27% from the right corner three, and that's where most of his attempts come from. And then 31% above the break. Now, uh, you guys talk for a second why I change up some of the uh, <laughs> the things that I can manipulate here. Uh, I think something else that's fascinating is you get this strong bench performance and you do it all without Nerland's Noel. Obviously, Noel yeah. sustained the concussion while also somehow fouling a guy against the uh, the Timberwolves. Uh, I don't I don't know how that happens. That's a conversation for another day. But you get a strong bench performance without Nerlens, who's arguably one of their best bench players. I think it's encouraging. And it leads me to another Twitter question from at VulgarKnight297, who asks, do we have the best bench in the NBA? No. That's, yeah, I was going to say, I don't think so. We earlier in this hypothetically uh, like it's it's good like on paper it looks good like the 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 pieces but no um one bench that immediately comes to mind is like boston's boston's bench is I was really gonna good say boston toronto's Toronto. bench is really yep. good um are you guys trying to Clippers. tell me thunder twitter exaggerates i don't believe that <laughs> and thunder twitter <laughs> lives in the moment no never it, occasionally it tends to happen but you know, let them <laughs> let them enjoy it. <laughs> I do think part of it is it was a home game. Your bench is always going to play better at home. Yep. I think that's probably the big factor between you know the last Spurs game and this one, and why the bench looks so much better. Why guys like Patterson are hitting more shots. You're just more comfortable at home. Yep. And they were wearing their awesome city edition jerseys. And so that, yes, they were. <laughs> They're now three and two in those uniforms. Good, on the they can't lose in those because they're too nice. They're like exactly. every time they lose in those, I like legit get angry. I'm like, dude, also, this is bull crap. You, if you guys haven't yet, go to Justin's Twitter account at OKC Tracker, and he has a really cool breakdown that he did here about was it yesterday, Justin, or was it two yep, days ago? Yesterday, and he did uh, each specific jersey, um, like winning percentages. Um, did you even do like shooting percentages and things? And you know, he has some really cool uh, graphics. Scoring, like, yeah. Scoring differentials, points allowed, points scored. Doing it for the uh, the halfway point in the season, just kind of taking a look at how they've cool. done in each uniform. One interesting, since we're on the topic, uniform note, the Thunder actually, I tweeted about this a couple weeks ago, they changed up their uniform schedule, and they took three games that were originally supposed to be the sunset orange earned uniforms and changed them to the city edition uniforms, one of which was last Sunday's game. Uh, they made that switch. I thought that was interesting. Interesting, yeah. Uh, I think it kind of speaks to how well the City Edition uniforms have been received by the fans and kind of the positive response that it's gotten. It seems like they're trying to find more opportunities to wear them. Yeah, I agree completely. You know, they always did like that Sunset Sunday uh, yep. back with Adidas where we wore those Sunset jerseys. And I think they were the whole idea was probably that like we can just do that again when we implement these new earned edition, uh, the replicas of the sunset jerseys. But you're right. I think that these city jerseys, jerseys have edition jerseys have been so well received that they they decided to implement them a couple more times, which I, I really love. They're super cool. Super cool. Um, anything else from tonight's game, or should we move on to general thunder topics? The only other thing I had here that I added into the doc that I thought was really cool was. Uh, Brett tweeted, or not, yeah, he did. He tweeted out two stats. The first was that OKC was 11 and 23 from three point range tonight. 
which is interesting because PG was only two of seven, and he's yeah, obviously huge. our best three-point shooter, which is huge. And the other stat that I found really interesting, he tweeted immediately after, the Thunder recorded 27 assists tonight, and that's on 43 made shots. That's a good percentage Thunder, for this team. That's very really good. good. And the Thunder are 11-2 and two this season when recording at least 25 assists. So it's a very good percentage for this team. I'd, I'd believe it. I would. I wonder when... It. I wonder when they get that many assists, how, like, what the percentage is that comes in transition versus, yep. you know, like we talked about, kind of running their sets. Cause I bet the number's pretty high. Yeah. I, you're, I, I would agree. I, I would say that it's, it's most likely when they're getting a lot of steals, deflections, uh, creating transition points rather than outside shots. Speaking of outside shots, let's talk about Terrence Ferguson a little bit. Hmm. You like that segue? Good segue. Good segue. Bang, bang. I've been working. Yeah, you want it? Hold on. <laughs> Not yes, a good please. segue. Bang, bang. <laughs> Man, Terrence Ferguson, uh, back in the first four games of the season, I had people like cussing me out on Twitter, telling me that Ferguson either A, needed to go to the G League, B, get traded for whatever we could get, or C, die. And now yep. I have people on Twitter in my mentions asking like why Ferg isn't closing every game, you know, <laughs> yeah. half a season's done a hell of a lot of work for this kid. His defense. I keep saying it. You guys keep making me pump the brakes a little bit. I think he's on the way to elite status wing defense. Uh, he's not at elite status yet. I would say he is, I don't know what is he is he a top half of a of a two guard starter at defense in the league? I would I would say so. I think I he's think absolutely top, yeah. he's top yeah. half of of the starting two guards. He he would be in the top half defensively. Like I would think. I would say during this this past stretch of what twenty games, even you could say, or no, not twenty. That's a lot because they've only played like twenty six. But or wait, no, how many no, games? We're now? at the halfway or, point, buddy. Oh, they're at no, like forty two. 26 wins. That's what Kamir was mentioning. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. the past like 20 games, like I think you could say that that he, yeah. um, he's been yeah he's one of, he's been one of the uh, upper half and start upper half and defense for starting two guards. I, Especially yeah. for a guy that's 20, I think that's the most impressive part. Yeah. is just thinking about his yep. potential and knowing that he is still pretty raw and he's performing at this high level. I think it's exciting. And how big he, of a jump he made in one, one off season. Yeah, that's right. what's encouraging to me. Or so even during the season in general, you know. Yeah, so struggled early on. The the past two games, the two San Antonio games, Ferguson is a combined in those two games nine of thirteen from the three point line. He's up to thirty seven and a half percent three point shooting on the season, and if we look at his last ten, he's shooting at a fifty percent clip from behind the arc on. A good number of attempts, almost four a game, basically like 3.8 rounds up to four four attempts per game. So he's hitting two of four threes a game in the past ten. Teams hopefully start to uh, start to understand what kind of shooter he is, and he starts to get some gravity. And they start to pull out towards him. I guess I want to ask you guys, and this has always been a topic of conversation: if Ferg can shoot 37 percent from three for the season. Does Andre Robertson have a job whenever he does come back? Sounds like this Terrence Ferguson guy is a perfect 3 and D player at the Thunder's <laughs> target at the uh, trade deadline, am I right? Yeah. Like, legitimately. <laughs> like, he's... Yeah. 
He's legit, man. Yeah, he he's is playing leg- really well. He is I think, legit. You know, thirty-seven and a half percent may not sound like a huge number for most teams, but for the Thunder, that's a pretty darn good percentage. Yeah, uh, and that's I think a good point <laughs> when you're when you're comparing it to a guy like Andre Robertson, who will probably never reach that number. In Andre his will career. probably shoot like three point seven percent. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it, it becomes a, a legitimate debate at that point. Um, you know, I think Ferguson's got a long ways to go to be at the same level of defending that Dre was at. I oh, don't yeah. think there's any doubt in my mind. I don't there. know if he can ever get to the level of peak Dre, but yeah. my argument but has Dre. always been like, if he's 90% of peak Dre defensively, but can yeah. shoot 37% from three, you know, I think that offensive benefit outweighs so much more that 10% difference defensively. And don't don't forget, you know, the Thunder see so much in him that even this summer during the offseason during summer league, they had him trying to handle the ball, try to put the ball on the floor because they see that in him. And, you know, last year we weren't looking at him as like a three and D prospect. We saw the kid doing these, you know, for example, that game against the Lakers when he had all those breakaway dunks. Um, yeah. Well, he, he, he still had has a, that in him as well. So he, he had a nice play so tonight where they he got the ball in his hands and they kind of isolated him and Jeremy Grant. And he ran pick and roll with Grant, got two steps around the screen, and then threw a nice pass back to Grant, who had popped out for three, and got yep. an assist on that. So, yeah. you know, just just little playmaking things here and there. I'll tell you what, though. I think out of all the threes he's made, out of everything he's been doing recently, I think offensively the most impressive play that he's made recently to me was tonight against the Spurs in the second half. He was this. This is the guy who got the last assist to Patrick Patterson. Now that I'm thinking of it, he had a play uh, where I think Russ drove the lane and kicked to Ferguson on the elbow, which is where he's been hitting all these threes from. And he he had pretty open look, and you got to know his confidence is sky high right now as a 20 year old who's just like balling out in the NBA. You know, shit, dude. If I was 20 shooting like this in the NBA, <laughs> like everything would be going up. Pulling every time you, know? you touch it, yeah, absolutely. And, and he caught that ball. And there was a defender like halfway between him and Patterson and the defender started to come to Ferg because he thought he was going to shoot and Ferg caught it and just kind of like no look like touch passed it over to Patterson for a wide open three in the corner, which went down. I remember that now that like that's such a like it seems like such a small thing, but it's such a smart like just like mature play to make, you know, speaking of the Spurs, that's the Spurs offense that they're historically known for is that ball yeah. movement that yeah, that's a good point. i mean that's he, exactly what ferguson did he made that better yeah, move that better yeah, he, he, he better took what was going to be a really good three-point look and got a great three-point look and it dropped and like that has to take like a lot of a lot of control you know like a lot of maturity because like i said like i'm 28 and i don't like not even in the nba if it's pickup and i've hit one three <laughs> you bet your ass Feel i'm jacking the next one again yeah, yeah. You know, so th- I thought that was was a a really good sign of maturity from him uh, on the offensive end. That's very positive, I think. I think when you look at the makeup of this team and where their strengths lie and where their weaknesses lie, I think that's where the argument between Dre and Ferguson starts to get really interesting. Oh, for because sure. Because I think where Dre, Dre, where Dre really earned his money was in being kind of the anchor 
of the defense when the when the starting lineup looked different than it does now and the rotation looked different they really needed Dre to be a complete lockdown defender defender and he really anchored that starting unit when you think about now with the athleticism of guys like Paul George and Jeremy Grant and Russ kind of locking in on the defensive end like he never has before I don't know that having Dre on the starting lineup like how much how much better can their defense get yeah. with Dre versus Ferguson? It's already yeah. at an elite level. I'm not sure how much better he makes them. He definitely make them better. But what they do need in that starting lineup is a three point shooter. Yeah, they have Paul George, but that's that's kind of it. Jeremy Grant's shot well, but on a on a low number of attempts. But he's not a guy that I feel like you you want to rely on as your three point shooter. But Ferguson, if he continues this trend, I think he could be that guy in the starting unit that can be hanging out on the wing, ready to to receive a kick out when PG or Russ drives the lane or when you kick it into Steven and he gets doubled, he can throw it out to Ferguson and hopefully get a good look. Definitely. Like I I've been saying that Andre Robertson, when he comes back, he makes the strengths of this team better. And then he makes the weaknesses of this team worse. And, and as how strong this team is at their strength of defense, um, you have you have to have balance, you know, and yep. and so I I think with with Andre coming back eventually, maybe not even this year. Like if if we grafted out, like if we looked at like a like a chart, how much of a jump does the defense take, and how much of a dip does the offense take? And like, what is the net gain or net loss of that? You know, and yep. and that's why I think a more balanced player like Ferguson makes a lot more sense. So two two really really quick points I want to make that we haven't touched on um, when it comes to Dre before we move on. One, and I can't remember where I heard this because my last week has kind of been a whirlwind of being out of town. But I either heard this on a podcast or read these in a series of tweets, and I want to say it was uh, Andrew Schlecht and Mikey Berra, but. They were saying that when it comes to Dre, obviously you want his elite defense when it comes to guarding players like Harden or guarding somebody on Golden State. But you have to remember the playoff series where he was just getting, you know, hack a Dre against Houston. Um, and he was essentially not playable at that point and really, really hurt because he couldn't hit our free throws. You're going to be putting in a guy like Terrence Ferguson at that point anyways. He's, he's going to be able to hit those. He's going to be able to hit those outside shots. Um, so that's one thing, and and maybe you don't actually want Dre in that situation. You might be playing Ferg down the stretch of those uh, those playoff games, regardless of Dre's elite defense. And then the other thing is Dre will be an expiring contract coming up. Yep. So, so that makes him even more valuable to maybe another team. You know, if he's even ninety percent of his full strength uh, come next season. Um, even if he's not fully 100% like he was, at least on a defensive standpoint, um, that's something else to keep in mind. He he could become a very valuable trade asset. Definitely, definitely. Speaking of Ferguson, Justin has uh, has done some deep investigating. He's put a uh, he's put his nose to the ground. He's he's been at work <laughs> and he has dug up some T Ferg mean tweets. Justin, what do you got? So you hit on it. People were uh, not very kind to Terrence Ferguson to start the season, even led to Terrence Ferguson deleting his social media because of uh, assuming because of some of those comments 
So I decided it would be fun to dive into history a little bit, recent history, and see some of the the hot takes that Thunder Twitter was spewing. Uh, like we, they're, we're, we're always so rational. Um, so let's take a look <laughs> back and, and see some of the things that was being said about Terrence Ferguson to start the season. Expose them. So we've got the receipt. Should I should I read the handles? Oh yeah, handles? hell yeah, read the handles. Put them on blast. Okay, blast them. The <laughs> All right, uh, let's start with game one. At Caleb Tro says it's one game, and I'm already sick of seeing Terrence Ferguson on the court. Off to a good start. Uh, at Josh Keller one two three says yo Terrence Ferguson is worse than Kyle Singler. <laughs> <laughs> This one's good. One. This one comes from outside uh, local Thunder Twitter. Uh, a bigger bigger personality, at Snotty Drippin, says, oh, just give Diallo all of Terrence Ferguson's minutes. You, you just have to. You just have to. It's got to be I done. Mean, that's not a knee-jerk reaction. Um, at Mikey Big Show, this was around Halloween, he says, Terrence Ferguson going as the Invisible Man this Halloween. Quite the costume. <laughs> that's a good one. Wow. <laughs> Uh, let's see. At Pitdo one 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 seven says, <laughs> "This one's bad." Send Tferg to the effing G League already. Every time I see him shoot, I throw up in my mouth. <laughs> this one's good. At Josh Daniels, Terrence Ferguson is trash. Need to find a team that doesn't know that and trade him for a bag of hot Cheetos. I think every team in the league would offer a lifetime supply of hot Cheetos. <laughs> For current Terrence Ferguson. For current Agreed. Terrence Ferguson. Uh, this one's good. At J. Ray Every Day says, Terrence Ferguson is a worthless piece of crap. Another Kyle Singler. Diallo should get all of his minutes. But wait, it gets better. This is the best sentence I'll read tonight. Why is Burton playing over the Raymond Felton? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, um. The Kurdish Mamba says Terrence Ferguson is the worst basketball player in the world. I'd rather have Hashim to beat play shooting guard. Oh, oh God. God. Wow. Up, we have at drunk ass sports says I wouldn't trust Terrence Ferguson to wipe my ass. <laughs> and last, but certainly not least our own pal uh, at J Hickness nine says Terrence Ferguson should be getting less run than a dead pigeon. <laughs> I think he just recently tweeted something about how how great Terrence Ferguson is. We Man, should uh, would, we should uh, retweet that. We should retweet all of those tweets from the from the <laughs> the uncontested Twitter account. Deal. We should totally do that. Uh, that is. I'm not incredible. gonna lie. I, I probably have some tweets that were fairly similar to that during I'm that own sure, stretch. I need to sure dig up. In there. Um, oh god, that was like, awesome. That was really good. Job. Hey, I'm gonna toot my own horn though. Though I stood on the Terrence Ferguson ba- Terrence Ferguson bandwagon, even through those first four games. Uh, I don't even know if Justin was part of the team yet for for the uncontested. Were you, Justin? Yeah. Uh, I think I was. I think I started right. At the beginning of the season. Okay, yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. It was around that time. But so you guys can probably vouch for me, but everyone else was just shitting on him. And I was like, dude, he's going to be good. And everyone else was like, you're an idiot. I stood strong. I'm proud of myself. But if people saw the uncontested Slack channel, 
from those first oh, yeah. four games, <laughs> it would be it bad. It would look a lot like those tweets. Yes. Right. I'm pretty sure on on like one of the first podcasts that I was on, I said something about we should just leave Ferguson in the locker room. <laughs> so there you go. I'll roast myself awesome. as part of this. So that's awesome. Yeah, I was right there. Yep. So all right. Well, moving on. Let's uh, let's burn through because I know we're we're already going long on time. So let's burn through a couple of these other things. Oklahoma City Thunder announced today via a pretty cool video that Nick Collison's jersey will be retired. The first Thunder jersey to be retired, number four, on March 20th in the home game against the Toronto Raptors. It'll be retired yes. pregame. Uh, there's been some interesting reaction to this. Either people are absolutely in love with this and they want not only the jersey reti- retirement, but also the unveiling of the statue outside. <laughs> and then other people think this is the dumbest thing ever. Uh, for a guy that averaged less than six points a game to be getting a jersey hung from the banners or from from the rafters, I I think this is a very very thunder thing to do, uh, and and it's pretty cool, you know, a guy that stayed with with the team for his entire career. So, I want to ask you guys: after Collison's jersey gets retired, whose jersey? follows his to the rafters second will it be russ's or will it be kevin durant's i think it'll be russ's and i i I don't think kevin durant's will come until later at least until after he retires oh yeah i think it'll be like i think i personally think durant's will be like four or five years after he retires yeah that's what i was gonna say is i i think it depends I think it depends a little bit on timetables of how long those guys play. And if I had to guess, I'd, I'd guess that Russell's career might be shorter than Kevin's, but true. Uh, I would expect Russell's to come pretty quickly after he retires. I mean, given that Collison hasn't even been retired a year yet. Yep. So it's obvious that, you know, half a they're, season they're okay after he retires will be right. the same. Yep. Um, but I, I think KD's will come, like you said, a few years after he's out of the league. Yep. Agreed. I agree. I also wanted to to plug a few things here. So trade season is quickly approaching. It's ramping up. Thunder trade or the, not the Thunder trade deadline, the NBA trade deadline comes a little bit earlier this season. November or so. God, what the hell am I talking about, dude? I need to <laughs> Where go to are bed. We? Yeah. Ooh, we're in the transfer <laughs> it's portal. Early man. October. We are in the yeah, transfer portal. We don't portal. we don't know what's going on. <laughs> February seventh is the trade deadline. It's interesting because this is the first year in quite a while, maybe ever, I don't know, when the the trade deadline comes before the All-Star break. Typically, yep. the deadline has been like the, the Tuesday or the Thursday after the yep. All-Star game. This year, it comes a week and a half before the All-Star game. So that's kind of interesting. So we're less than a month away from the NBA trade deadline. Trades are about to start ramping up. Uh, obviously, a coming to a head on on February 7th that morning into that early afternoon. A few thunder notes about that. Per Keith Smith, who I think works for Yahoo, the Thunder are, quote, actively looking for another big man. They aren't wanting to take on much money due to tax concerns, but realize they need to need at least one more big for a, the playoff run. I thought that was kind of interesting. We also have, is kind of just mentioned in passing, on the most recent 
the Ringer basketball show with Kevin O'Connor. KOC mentioned that the Thunder are pursuing Tarian Prince from the Atlanta Hawks. He kind of mentioned it as far as like he said the Hawks are trading Tarian Prince or looking to trade Tarian Prince. And he listed three teams that have inquired. He said Philadelphia 76ers, the Oklahoma City Thunder, and I can't remember who the third one is now. But so it, it was either. just it was kind of mentioned in passing, and then they talked about his fit in Philly, about Prince's fit in Philly. Uh, didn't mention much much more about the Thunder after that. So a few interesting little trade nuggets popping up as far as as the Thunder are concerned. If you are into Thunder trade scenarios, which let's be honest, if you're listening to a Thunder podcast, you're probably pretty dadgum interested. <laughs> dadgum. Uh, uh, dude, I'm killing it with the dad gums tonight. I love it. <laughs> Probably on Monday. It's looking like Monday. We will be dropping the annual Thunder Trade Primer article. Dun, I am al- I am almost finished with it. I've been grinding on it for a while now. I've written one every year for like the past three or four years. This Good year, stuff. it will undoubtedly be on theuncontestedsports.com. It'll be a pretty good read. Source of a a source of some good debate and some some discussions Indeed. and I'll probably update it as the trade deadline gets closer and closer with little notes of kind of what's floating out there what the thunder might do and then it will all come to a head February 7th leading up to that on the podcast we'll be doing like a, a full trade day where we're just going to look at thunder specific and league wide trades and February 7th we'll probably have a, a little something special planned for you guys for for NBA trade deadline day, because if we're being honest, that be should fun. be a national holiday. I will be Agreed. taking off. I'll be taking off work, work that day. For that? Oh, dude, I take nice. a personal day every year. That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Because so like, we actually, you mentioned the Tory and Prince trade, and we got a Twitter question about this tonight from right. at Cade Meters One. He mentions the trade rumor about Tory and Prince, and asks, "Would you give up Diallo and possibly Patterson?" To get Torian Prince, I think I would. I was going to say that's that's really tough because I think I still think Diallo has a lot of upside, but I think I would too uh, at this point. I, Prince is still young. We talked about this before the podcast, and he's still on a rookie deal, which you can't beat. Yep. So yeah, I, I think you might twenty-four I think two years of a rookie deal left, and then he gets paid. Um, yeah, I think I would do that. But if they called and said, "How about?" like Terrence Ferguson and like a second round pick. Um, I would put the phone down for a moment. I would (laughs) unzip my pants. I would put the phone up to my ass and I would fart in the microphone and then I would hang up (laughs) and block their number after. Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. So yeah, I'm with you. I'm going to, I'm going to give up Ferg. I especially want to give up Ferg and Diallo. Oh God. uh, For Aryan Prince. Yeah, Unless yeah. they get Presty to start smoking meth really soon, there's no way he'd ever do that. <laughs> and on that note, let's go around the association. <laughs> All around the world. Bring it around town. Bring it around So after tonight's win, the Thunder are third in the West right now, but they have some teams sneaking up on them. However, one team that's dropped recently is the Lakers. Uh, LeBron is still to miss the next couple games and to be re- reevaluated January 16th with that growing injury that he has. Since 
LeBron's absence, the Lakers have dropped to eighth in the West. What are you guys' thoughts on the Lakers? When LeBron comes back, do you guys see the Lakers skyrocketing back up, kind of like the Rockets have recently, back into the uh, you know the one through five, six seeds? Or do you kind of see them hanging, hanging out towards the bottom of the West uh, when it comes to playoff contention? I think what we saw from them when LeBron was healthy right before he went out was pretty impressive. They had a pretty solid win streak going. Um, I think they were playing at a pretty high level. And then it's, it's very apparent since he's been out that, you know, the young guys just, just aren't quite enough to get it done. Um, other than that crazy Christmas day win, uh, against the warriors. But I, I, overall, I think they, they need James. I think he, I hope he comes back soon and I hope he comes back healthy. I think that's my fear for him as much of a freak that he is athletically. He's getting older and I worry about an injury kind of lingering longer than it may be used to earlier in his career. Definitely. And, and you can tell obviously losing LeBron James, the best player in basketball is, is a big deal. I think it's interesting that they have that reevaluation date, January 16th. I believe they play the thunder January 17th. Yeah. They have a tough road trip. Yeah. Uh, and, and the thunder is a part of that. Right yeah. They, then. that reevaluation date comes the day before they play the thunder and they're, they're four games thunder. And then the following three are all nationally televised, either ESPN or TNT. Uh, I'm sure those networks would love for him to come back on that yeah. January 16th date. Hey, he's he's sleeping and taking naps in oxygen chambers. Yeah, I saw uh, that. Be nice. Drinking his, his red wine. He's ready to go. He'll be he'll be good yeah. to go on that Kobe. Kobe <laughs> yep. uh, rehab. Yeah, the Kobe rehab Lakers. Uh, yeah, rehab schedule, I guess. But definitely. So the next he, thing I have oh, here. Oh, sorry, on, go ahead. Before we go on with the Lakers, um, so I've never like really like sat down and watched a lot of Lakers games unless they're playing the thunder. Um, but yep. I've watched them play the thunder and then I watched them the other night against, was it? De- yeah, it was Detroit where Kuzma just snapped and went for yeah. like almost 50, 41. Um, dude, Lonzo ball is not that good. Agreed. He Very is bad. Great. He is. I mean, I'll give him credit. I think he's a pretty good passer, especially on outlets. And I think he's kind of crafty, but like he has Laker, no Lakers Twitter like tries to hype him up as like this defender. this like all world defender, which he's not. He's like an average point guard defender and then shooting the ball. Um, really anything else. He's just, he's not that great. You know, he's, yeah, but you can trade him and Josh Hart and Ingram, Brandon Ingram for Anthony Davis here at the trade deadline. Oh, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> he's just not that it's good, happening. man. I mean, I know he's starting for I them, but I I just don't think he's that good. <laughs> I'm with you. Yeah, like I mean, I, he's I, fine. I, like I think if his, he was hyped it, up too much coming into the NBA. Yeah, I if his career, I think his career, like I don't know if he'll accept it, but I think he would his his best spot as far as his career is concerned is going to be like a uh, uh, a bench point guard, a bench wing, uh, or bench guard, getting like. 20 minutes a night on a playoff team. Yeah. Like, does that seem realistic? It reminds me a lot of Austin Rivers in that sense. Yeah. Just like, I feel like he was kind of overhyped a little bit of a, uh, his, his dad's a bit of a personality and maybe never, never quite lived up to what he was, what he was thought to be initially. But I think I, you know, he's not bad, but he's certainly not 
as good as Lakers Twitter would have you believe. Can you imagine LeVar Ball being your dad? <laughs> Can you yeah. imagine LeVar Ball if Lonzo, if and when Lonzo gets traded? Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> he will go in on Magic. Last. I bet he's probably quieted put... down ever since LeBron came in. Yeah, because I'll tell you what happened is LeBron came in and said, you're going to shut the hell up and you're going to back the hell up. This is my team and I don't give a shit <laughs> yep. about your son. And I will make sure your son doesn't have a career if you say anything while yep. I'm here. Yeah. 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 Good so the next thing I have here is uh, the Timberwolves. They recently hired Ryan Sanders, uh, Flip's son, and he implemented something in practice recently, which I thought was very interesting. I believe this was either today or yesterday. He implemented that long twos are worth negative points in the scrimmage and tried to uh, discourage players from taking those long twos. Damn millennials One, and their analytics. Should the Thunder do it? Two, <laughs> I think this really embodies uh, this new era of the NBA where you see long three-point shots and you see you know baskets at the rim or down low in the paint. You don't really see these mid-range twos anymore. Yep. We kind of seen this this season with our – we talked about our point guards, Dennis Schroeder and Russell Westbrook, both trying to transition away from those. And they're playing better. They seem to be playing better when they aren't taking those. What are you guys' thoughts on Ryan's tactics here? Well, it's safe to say Melo won't be signing with the (laughs) (laughs) T-Wolves. That was good. Bang, bang! (laughs) Poor Melo. Um, he, I think <laughs> to, it's to be honest, I don't think Melo's signing anywhere, so we don't got to worry about that. Say, that's true. This is true. Um, it's definitely, definitely, uh, interesting world in the NBA right now with teams literally, you know, you used to hear, I feel like even, even when this trend started, maybe, you know, five, maybe 10 years ago when you'd still hear guys say like, oh, he still knows the value of a mid-range game. He still focuses on those shots. Like I feel like Kevin Durant had a really nice mid-range game when he was in OKC that would often get praised by commentators and whatnot. But what a different world that we're in in the NBA now where having a mid-range game is frowned upon. You know, it's like take three steps back and hit a three or take it to the basket and get a layup because the numbers say so. It's just... It's an interesting evolution of the game of basketball as a whole. Yeah, I'm totally with you. Um, it's the the mid range is because of analytics, because of of math basketball. Th- those types of shots are just slowly becoming less and less relevant uh, because we're looking at data, and yep. you know, take that for data. Take that for data. Yeah. Boom. The next thing I have is DeMarcus Cousins. He has his return. Uh, they have likely set for January 18th versus Eclipse. Kerr said that he would start immediately, which isn't super surprising. However, his return before the All-Star break is a little surprising. What are you guys' thoughts on that? How do you guys think he comes back? Will he will it take him a little bit to get transitioned into the Warrior system? Do you guys think he's still going to be hurting a little bit with that uh, – that injury. What are you guys' thoughts? Yeah, it's interesting. I, it's definitely going to take him a while. Like, there's like I'm cleared to practice and I'm running and I'm doing things, and then I'm playing in the NBA with guys like Jokic and Stephen Adams and Nurk yep. and Joel Embiid, like leaning on me and pushing on me and and being aggressive with me for 30 minutes a night. 
it's definitely going to take him a while to get back into like being able to to be him. And I don't even know after an Achilles is is gnarly. So you know, will Cousins even get back to like old Cousins? And then you have the aspect of the on court fit. We all know Cousins yep. is uh, is not a rational person on the basketball court. And what? He is Speaking a, of mellow. Yeah, and he is uh he likes to get his way and he is very uh it's gonna be interesting with him and Draymond on the same team on the court together whenever adversity happens. Very. You know, yeah, really when but, Draymond's been struggling this season. Draymond's been trash. Right. And one of them's gonna pack a freaking sharpened spoon in their sock and they're gonna either tag team stab a ref or stab each other whenever some adversity <laughs> happens in a game because they're both kind of crazy. You know, I so. think it'll be interesting to see what, what his conditioning looks like. Kind of like you said, it's yeah, he'll start. And I think Curry even alluded to this as yeah, he'll start. But after that, you know, we'll see what his minutes are, how many he can handle. I think, you know, cousin cousins is a big guy. I don't expect him to, to, get get back from injury and be ready to run at a fast pace with the Warriors like they like to do. I think it'll it'll take them a while to get back. Uh it'll just be I mean, man, if they can make it work, they're going to be scary. Yeah. That and that's going to be the interesting thing is can they make it work because yep. there there's a lot of mouths that got to be fed there. And they're struggling this season anyways. Yep. Um but speaking of, of torn Achilles, one member of the all NBA Thunder Killers, uh, J.J. Barea, <laughs> one of the known Thunder Killers. He has torn an Achilles. It was announced today from Shams at, over at Yahoo. There's still not a time period. They're still trying to work that out, which is kind of interesting. They haven't really given anything, but I did see a tweet, or a couple tweets actually today, from some people talking about the uh, Mavericks applying for a injured, what is it, the injured player? Injured player exception. Exception. Yeah. yeah. So... It doesn't sound good. There's a good chance that he'll be out an extended period just like DeMarcus oh, yeah. Cousins was. And J.J. Barea is not a a 28-year-old. Um, He's 34. Yeah. I think we have we maybe have seen the end of J.J. Barea's career because yeah. he, it's it's almost impossible to come back from an Achilles anyways. Like you don't come back yeah. like you used to be. And at a short, a really short dude who absolutely relies on on his quickness at 34 years of age it's going to take him about 12 months to get back from that so he's looking at the second half of next season he'll be 35 Ugh. by then like i don't know if jj beret plays any more basketball and uh, yeah. like professionally in his life yeah i think it's a i think it's a fair point he's it's also interesting he's in the uh last year of his contract so he'll be looking to get signed next year if he wants to make a return. It's not like he could, you know, return to the Mavs and have that contract still going. He'll have to find a team that's willing to take a chance on him. I think the Mavs would just given their the history of their relationship with him. I mean, they they rolled Dirk out there still, so I feel like they'd they'd do the same for JJ. But yeah. uh I think it's I think yeah, I, I'm with you. I think we might have seen the last of JJ Barea. And as a Thunder fan I'm fine with that. Yeah, yeah. I'm, totally, I'm totally cool with it. Like I said, he, he hey, kills us almost every time. It's ridiculous. He's he's going to retire. He's going to enjoy second breakfast, 11 C's, 
lunch, supper. (laughs) He might go to the Lonely Mountain to slay a dragon. Uh, He's going to hang out with some dwarves, uh, Gandalf the Grey. And uh, awesome. he's going to live out the rest of his life as a, as a little hobbit. As a little hobbit, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So we've had a lot of kind of dramatic returns this season. We had Kawhi to, back to San Antonio. Uh, we also had Tony Parker to San Antonio. You can't really call us a return, but we had the whole PG to Los Angeles, his hometown. <laughs> you know, that whole dramatic game. <laughs> that, all that bullshit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But one game that we had today that happened actually earlier in the afternoon was kind of one of those weird af- uh, Saturday afternoon games was the Blake Griffin return to Los Angeles for the first time since he was traded to Detroit. He drops a solid 44 points on the Clippers. And, and beat he straight up snubs Steve Ballmer. Oh, uh, my gosh. Have you guys seen the video? Because it's hilarious. Yeah, it, yeah. it was great. He, he's out there you know, do, he finishing up his, his pregame workout. Steve comes up. And apparently I saw a tweet, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but – Steve kind of was over there kind of waving at him, and Blake just sprints, starts sprinting back to the locker room, kind of like Russell Westbrook does after he hits that last shot. And yep. Steve continues to yell, Blake, Blake, and he, Blake just keeps on running. Yeah, and the, the really running. awkward part was that Balmer, like, as soon as Blake like, got done like shooting from three, Balmer started walking up like with his hand extended to yep. shake his hand. Oh, and totally. Blake turned yeah. around yeah. and started running off, and he was like, Blake! Blake <laughs> and Blake just and like, kept running. If you, if you watch the video, Blake definitely looks at him. Oh yeah, like, yeah. He turns it's, his head and it's awkward. And that takes off and keeps on going. And it's, then Balmer at the end of the video just kind of like looks over at somebody who kind of was staring at him and like saw the whole interaction. He's kind of like shrugs at him at the end, just kind of like yeah. gives a half smile, like eh, you know, it happens. Type yeah, like thing. trying to play it off. <laughs> it, it was and awkward. Then there was a post game interview with Blake yeah. that I saw, which yeah, was really interesting. And he was like, "Man, you that's bullshit." Like, quote, unquote, that's bullshit. You guys know that I do this. That's that's my routine at the end of every pregame workout. I'm sprinting to the locker room. That's just what I do. You know, there was nothing intentional there, blah, blah, blah. But it was very obvious from that video. He, he wanted nothing to do with it, and you can't really blame him. Yeah, so, it, it was a little I awkward. Thought it, I thought it was interesting, too, that they asked, like, uh, something along the lines of, well, if you got another chance to shake his hand, would you do it? And he was like, yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, I forget who I was listening to. I, it might have been uh, the latest Woj pod with Bobby Marks. But if if both if that trade like hadn't happened or you flipped those players back and you put Griffin back on the Clippers and Tobias Harris and what ended up being Shea Gilgis Alexander in Detroit, like would That'd would Detroit fun. would Detroit make that trade today? Tobias, if Tobias was playing like he is, and Shea Gilgis Alexander, if Shea's playing like he is today, would they make that trade for Blake? I don't think so. And Neither I think do that I. The, the Pistons would be the Clippers of the East right now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because Tobias That's is having a great season. In terms of standings, I guess. And, <laughs> and Shea looks like he's going to be really good. You know, he's yep. going to be a solid yep. player. So. And then you got Drummond still down low. Yeah, no, yep. I'm with you. Interesting. So a couple more interesting things here, and I, this is my last section, and we'll, we'll wrap this up because I know we've gone a little long with the post-game part of our of our podcast tonight. Yeah, we good. Trade rumors. We talked about Thunder trade rumors. We got a couple around the NBA trade rumors are starting to surface. They'll be closer and closer to, to the trade deadline. And the first of these is the Pelicans. They're obviously trying to keep Anthony Davis around. You know, I, I mentioned the joke earlier about him going to the Lakers this season, but um, the Pelicans are seeking a small forward. 
And after missing out on Kelly Oubre, who went to the Suns, they are interested in Terrence Ross, somebody who the Thunder were linked to earlier this season, apparently. And this is for Sean, how do you pronounce his last name? Davini? I think Davini. Yeah. <laughs> I never heard it pronounced. I see him on Twitter all the time. But anyways, I think that'd be an interesting fit. Pelicans uh, are in a rough as spot. Of their offense. They they're are in a, in a very rough, rough spot. spot. And they're they, going to have to make a big splash this season. They're going to have to try to try to do yeah. something at the trade deadline and or and try to do something at the draft um, because, season. because yep. July 1, you offer AD that Supermax and if he says no, you trade him because he's got a year left. And if he says, I want to see what this roster looks like come next year before I decide, I'm not going to decide what the roster as it currently is. That you have is, to make some big move. And if you can't, you have to trade him almost immediately. Yep. I'm, I That's how I feel. Like you almost have to still move him. Like he yeah, does Terrence Ross do that? Yeah. That, uh, that's what I was about to say. Those two names you just mentioned, Kelly Oubre and Terrence Ross, like that doesn't those guys doesn't don't move do the needle, right. you know. That like, just has to be step one, like you said, Jake. I mean, I, I think this kind of goes back to what Jake has been saying. I think he's he's tweeted it out and he said it on the last couple podcasts. But there's going to be a lot of buyers this this trade deadline, and not a lot, or, and, yeah, not a lot of sellers, um, yep. not a lot of options. And so. so and so the buyers are going to demand a, a higher heist for for their players because they can they can play the market on itself, and if we're being honest, the Pelicans kind of have a bare cupboard as far as assets are concerned. Like, you yeah, know, they're they're not spot. they're not going to trade Drew Holiday. Um, they do have a first they can trade. Um, if you trade Nikola. Yo, or no, not Nikola Jokic. Uh, Miritich. Miritich, sorry. Miritich, yes. Yeah, if, if you trade Nikola Miritich, then, you know, that's he, he's a pretty significant piece for them. Um, so if you're trading him, it has to be for a very, very clear upgrade. So it's it's interesting. You know, they're, they're, in, they're in a tough spot, and I think before 2019 is over, we will very much know you know, what's going to happen with the future of that team. So one, and this is the last point I have here when it comes to trade rumors, but one last big star that apparently uh, a lot of GMs across the league are convinced is on the trade market, but that the Cavaliers keep denying is Kevin Love. Uh, and apparently the Hornets and Mav- Mavericks are two teams that are very interested in Kevin Love. And this is per Sam Amico of Amico Hoops and The Athletic. And he, yeah, he he is saying that uh, these two teams are very interested in Kevin Love, and that I just have seen reports dating back ever since Kevin Love signed that big contract that that Love would be on the trade market this season. Yeah. So the Cavs can deny it all they teams? want. I think I think they're going to try to trade Kevin Love. He just doesn't fit the the timeline and the rebuild yep. that they want to do. I think they'll probably try to move Kevin Love. Um, those two teams are interesting, Hornets and Mavericks. Very um, so. So, I hope he stays in the east. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Just don't come yeah. to the west. We yeah. don't need you over here. Yeah. Doncic and Kevin, like say Kevin Love is healthy and doesn't continue to get injured. That's one thing to keep yeah, an eye right. on here. But um, if he's over there with uh, a healthy Doncic and DeAndre Jordan, you know that's that's pretty interesting. He's essentially taking the spot of a Dirk, for yeah. example. And they you don't know, really have a backup five in right? in Dallas, so he he would play a lot of backup five as well. So. It's interesting. Hey, I mentioned this on Twitter the other day, and I got like over 120 replies, and people were being really mean to me. 
Um, <laughs> but I'm going to ask you guys uh, my my hypothetical trade I threw out there. I'm not saying I'm for it or against it. It was just an idea. But Love and Rodney Hood for um, Andre Robertson, Hamadou Diallo, and Dennis Schroeder. Do you guys take it or leave it? I'm I leaving t- it. Oh, I'm okay. leaving it because I, I I mentioned Kevin Love's injuries, and I am not sure. I think we might be seeing the downward decline. I could this could come back to bite me. Yeah, and I I will be the first one to admit. So, I, I so will th- eat my crow, but I think this could be the downward decline of Kevin Love's career. Yep. You're, so you're afraid of the injuries? I'm very concerned about Kevin Love's injuries, okay. and injury history. Justin, what would I think you that's say? fair. I think that'd be the only reason I would decline it. Honestly. Oh yeah. Yeah, if you're promised Pete Kevin Love, I, I think you might have to. But I think, I I just think people have kind of forgotten who he is. Kind of forgotten about Kevin Love because of LeBron. Like yeah. the pairing with Le- LeBron in Cleveland just never worked out. And it changed his but, game. It changed Love's game a lot. Yeah, yep. but go go back and watch him in Minnesota, man. Like he was yeah, a monster. Give me give me some of that in Oklahoma City, please. I remember him torching OKC. Dude, you know, he was a couple of those games. He's dropping forty plus points. And in just, Minnesota, and he was probably crazy. the best inside outside offensive player in the league. I yep. mean, every time he yep. came down the court, you didn't know if you needed to close out on a three point yeah. shot or if he was going to put you in the spin cycle down on the block. You know, I mean, he was he was the Chris Bosh of that yeah of that uh, Cleveland team. You know, I remember. Um, going down and I watched a Mavericks game at home against Chris Bosh when he was on the Raptors and just how freakishly athletic Chris Bosh was. There was a dunk that he had. He brought he brought the ball like down to his ankles and just I remember seeing him live just cock that all the way back and just smash on somebody on the Mavericks at that point. Um, that was an incredible game. But, you know, Chris Bosh kind of did something similar when he played with with LeBron in Miami and, and Kevin Love, you're right. That's a good point, Justin. He kind of took that back seat and a lot of people forget what he's capable of. Yep, definitely. All right, you guys ready to get out of here? Yep, let's roll. Let's do it. All right, well, thank you guys for, for listening to the podcast. We really appreciate you. Uh, as mentioned earlier, keep a lookout for Monday when we will be dropping the Thunder Trade Primer. It will be on the uncontestedsports.com. Also, as mentioned earlier, February 7th, NBA trade deadline day. We will definitely be up to something on that day, so you may want to follow along. If you're not following us on Twitter already, it's at the underscore uncontested. We're live tweeting every game. We're dropping all the podcast links, everything. Great follow, so go follow along. You can also follow Justin over at OKC Tracker. We have Taylor. He is at Taylor underscore P15. And myself, I am at ThunderMob405. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, we are literally on almost every place you listen to podcasts now. So go hit that subscribe button. Drop us a five-star rating. Leave a comment. Uh, That stuff is greatly appreciated. And I think that's all I got. We'll be churning out some more post-game podcasts as the week goes on. So be on the lookout for those. And as always, Thunder Up. Thunder Up. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. 
Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.